are listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. I hope that you had an amazing Christmas. I hope that it was fun. Some of you are probably still coming down. You got a little bit of a Christmas hangover. Too many, too many sweets, too many Christmas movies. Um, I was listening to like the last of the Christmas music and I was telling my son, Dominic, I was like, we got to get it all in because once it hits tomorrow, we're done. I don't know. Everybody has a little thing different. You know, some people take their Christmas tree down after January 1st. I know in the Joya house, it's coming down tomorrow. Um, That's just the way we, that's just the way we roll. Um, But I'm excited about this new year and that's kind of what I wanted to share with you about. And I got notes kind of scattered all over the place. So um, again, it was a busy day. Um, but I hope that, uh, I really believe you're going to get something out of this. But as, as I was reflecting and, and really asking the Holy Spirit on what I should share on, you know, we've been talking a lot about the Advent season. The Advent season is, is a time where we prepare our hearts um, to receive the coming Messiah. And in doing so, uh, when you prepare a room, if I were to invite you into my living room uh, this afternoon, um, there would be kind of a frantic urgency in the Joya house of cleaning everything up. And in cleaning everything up, you find things you're like, I had no idea this was sitting here. How long was this sitting here? This shouldn't be here. I definitely don't want people to see this. And so as we prepare our hearts for the coming of the Messiah, um, Advent isn't relegated to just the Christmas season. It really is the heart posture of the believer to continue to prepare our hearts because God is gonna show you things uh, in your 50s that you weren't able to handle in your 40s. And he's gonna show you things in your 60s that you weren't able to handle in your 50s. And so um, as long as we have a heart posture of humility and a willingness to go to the Lord to seek and to search out those things in a heart of preparation, God will be faithful to expose those things so that he can, as he intensifies, you know, kind of the fire, um, the, the impurities come to the surface and he can scrape them out. I know that I've been in a season um, of a lot of things coming to the surface and I'm kind of like, Lord, like, I didn't know I had this junk. And God knew that I had it the whole time, but I'm just in a place now where I can begin to partner with the Holy Spirit to get it out. But as you look at the Christmas season, I I just kind of, something that amazed me um, as we met with our children, I was just thinking about Mary, I was thinking about the wise men, thinking about the shepherds, but I don't know if you've ever heard it like this, but um, you know, it was an unwed woman, a teenager who carried our Lord and Savior. If that wouldn't make it on the cover of the Inquirer, I don't know what would. (laughs) But you think about it. God didn't come in a conventional way or in a way that maybe we would have arrived. You know, he came to an unwed woman who was was in her teens. Um, And it's interesting that it was the the pagan magi, the wise men, um, from the East who actually recognized God. It wasn't, it wasn't those gathering in the synagogue. It wasn't those gathering in the temple. Um, it, was, it was the astrologers of the day. And they knew. They saw. That kind of messes with your theology a little bit, doesn't it? But it's true. 
we like to see the wise men and they brought Frankenstein, myrrh, and that's what I used to say when I was a kid. I didn't understand the frankincense, gold and myrrh. Um, but that God moved through them, these, these broken people that were actually moving in the opposite direction. We would call them pagan. Yet they recognized the Messiah. And furthermore, that it was the workers in the field, the shepherds, that heard the voice of the Lord. Now, shepherding wasn't necessarily a career that one would aspire and, you know, fight after. You could even consider it possibly, you know, an entry-level position or, a, minute, or a, a, a minimum wage position. But this is who hears from the Lord. You know, God turned this world upside down. <laughs> he really did. Um, and it was interesting that Jesus was born in a marginalized neighborhood, um, or city rather, was the one to welcome God. In a manger of all places, he's the son of God. He could have been born, you know, in a king's hall, but he was born next to farm animals. You know, God chooses the lowly and the broken to rise. And I wanted to intro and, and kind of share that uh, kind of untraditional view of the Christmas story to remind ourselves, yes, we like to romanticize the Christmas story, but if you really take a, a peek behind the curtain, God moved in, in some broken people, in some broken areas, in some broken ways, in some ways that we wouldn't have, that would don't maybe look real Christian. Might, might, might not have made the Kirk Cameron film, but nonetheless, that's how God chose to reveal himself. And I say that, I share that to say, I don't know what Christmas this Christmas season has been like for you. I know that many of us, Christmas is a great time of celebration. Uh, Pastor Kelly shared just a few weeks ago, and she's one of those ones that probably tomorrow she'll have a countdown until the next Christmas. She's just like Christmas every single day. We all know those people. Um, but for some people, it's a, it's, a, it's a painful reminder of some wounds and some trauma of, and things that have happened in the past. Or maybe it's a reminder of that, the fact that here are your dreams and here are you and here am I. And I'm, I don't know how I'm going to cross that deficit. And I'm here to just remind you that if you find yourself weak, if you find yourself broken, you're not in as bad of a place as you maybe think you are because God moves in the broken. And God actually says in his word that his power works best in our weakness. That word best has always stood out to me. Like his power will move through your strength. His power will move through your giftings. But I'm telling you, if you're willing to lean in and posture your hearts and go to God when you feel the weakest, which is the time that you don't feel like going to the Lord, right? That's the, that's the last thing you feel like doing. But in those moments, if you're willing to posture your heart in that place of surrender, he says, my power actually works best in the midst of that. And so God is simply not done writing your story. He's not done. He's penned every moment of your life before a single day passed. And so, yes, he, I guess in that sense, he is done writing your story, but you haven't, you're not done living it out. And so God has amazing promises in store for you in this upcoming um, year. But the question I wanted to ask you is, as we approach 2022, what are you steering your life towards? right? Because you're going to get 
to where you're steering your life. Every single one of you got behind the wheel of your vehicle and you steered your car onto I-95 probably, and you, you either headed south or north depending on where you were to get here. You were very intentional with that. And a lot of us, if we're not careful, we just kind of drift into the new year and there are all these systems already set in place and we just kind of let life come at us instead of planning and organizing out our life and steering it towards a certain destination. Um, and I believe um, that God wants us to be intentional, uh, to steer our lives towards what was written in his book in Psalm 139, 16, that every moment of our life was recorded. Either we believe those words or we just let life come at us. And I think we as the children of God need to be intentional to excavate the purpose that he has placed inside of us so that we can walk in the light of what he planned for our lives to look like. Now, this doesn't automatically just happen. And so I wanna share with you a few spiritual disciplines that I believe will turn into spiritual devotions. So in other words, it may feel difficult and hard to get going, but I believe in time, it'll be something that you celebrate and you look forward to. Um, this is something that uh, Jess and I have been doing for a, for a long, long time, and it's served as just kind of a a landmark in our lives that we can always come back to um, to reflect on years previous and to years to come. And so every year towards the end, New Year's, when everybody else is out watching the ball drop, which is like the most boring thing in the world. When I was a kid, I always wanted to stay up and watch the ball drop. I thought it was like this cool thing. Everybody's like, did you see the ball drop? Did you see the ball drop? And then finally that one night, man, you get to stay up, you're like, and Cindy Lauper's on TV, and you're just like, okay. And you're watching Carson Daly, and you're just like, that's the ball? What's, this is, this is dumb. This is weird, you know? And so, so if you're not going out getting wasted, what are you doing on New Year's, right? A movie marathon, maybe, but Jess and I decided, you know, we wanted to do something where we took this, we paused in the New Year, it can be on the 30th, and we began to write down everything that we were believing God for in the upcoming year. And I think it's very important that we set goals um, for our lives. And, you know, the areas that we need to set goals in, I believe, is that God wants us to grow and mature physically. He wants us to grow and mature emotionally. He wants us to grow and mature mentally. And he wants us to grow and mature spiritually. And I have seen people over the course of my life, myself included, that have neglected certain uh, areas that I just mentioned and their life was off kilt. Okay, and so I wanna go and, and kind of dive into each one of these areas and show you that they do have meaning and that the Bible does have things to say about these um, specific areas. But, you know, the, 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 old, the old quote goes, if you're aiming for nothing, you'll hit it every single time. And so people don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. And so I believe that God wants us to have a plan. Now, God has an ultimate plan, but he wants us to partner with him to be able to set a plan. And Habakkuk tells us to write the vision so that he who reads it may run with it. And so God gives us vision. Our vision comes from the Lord and God wants us to revisit. You know, he literally says to write it down, you know, because here's the thing. 
We all think we're savvy. We all think our co we're cool with our, with our devices and our phones. But this pen right here, it remembers every single thing that I write down. And so it's important for us to write the vision down. And then it says that we need to read it. That means we need to review the vision. We need to go back and remember what God had spoke to us, right? So that we can, so that we can continue to run towards what God has placed inside of our hearts. And so I wanted to share it physically. You know, we get, we get one body. We get one body. And the Bible says that the body is, is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Our body is a temple. And we have to guard and watch what comes in it. We're living in a time where we're not like having to harvest our food. We're not having to go plow the fields. We're not having to churn our own butter. Um, but we sit, most of us sit in front of a screen. So we're hunched over. Um, and then we're eating probably food that isn't, that has a lot of ingredients in it. So if you look at like the, it has a ton of ingredients. And I remember I heard a pastor say this one time and it always stuck with me. Um, he said, you know, um, people just put whatever they want into their body. They don't even think about it. They never read the recipe. But if you had a Lamborghini, you wouldn't put like any old gas in there. You'd put high octane in there. And you'd, I don't even know what a Lamborghini goes for. Let's just say hypothetically it goes for $200,000. I could be way off. But let's just say hi hypothetically that a Lamborghini goes for $200,000. So there is no way that you'd be putting busted gas in there. Why? Because you spent $200,000 on that car. Here's the problem though. You can get a new car. You can't get a new body. And so we have to be wise um, what we put into our body. I remember I, I went to a conference, or actually this, this uh, author came. His name is Jordan Rubin. He owns um, uh, Garden of Life. They have like food. If you've ever seen it at the store, he owns a whole thing. He's like a super health nut, right? And I remember one time he came in and he, he shared with our team at a ministry that I worked with. And now I don't know if I necessarily... Um, see eye to eye on this statement, but it is a provocative statement. And I'm going to go ahead and let you just sit with it and wrestle it out on your own with God. But he basically said this, he said, you know, when you pick up fast food and you ask the Lord to bless that food to the nourishment of your body, it's like the same thing. It would be the same as if you were to watch porn and ask God to bless it to the nourishment of your marriage. It's not going to do it. And so that's a heavy statement. I know I said, I don't even know theologically if I agree with all of that, but I'm dropping that because it really made me pause and think. Like that is a weighty, heavy statement. And so what it did though, is it caused me to kind of open my eyes and listen and lean into the rest of what he had to share. And although many of us are, are living to, to, to longer, to, to higher ages, um, many of us are also being taken out um, at earlier ages. Uh, there are more, you know, sicknesses and things that, you know, heart disease that we open ourselves up to. So what I'm saying is as you head into the new year and looking at all of these circumstances, it is wise to come up with some kind of plan, some kind of strategy for your body physically, um, whether that be taking an extra walk, whether that be cutting out um, a lot of sugar, which, you know, I just share with you sugar. I mean, soda is the worst one is the worst thing. Like if you looked at the amount of sugar that was in a, in a soda compared to like a donut, it would, it would shock you. Um, and so, uh, 
I think it's wise that you set a goal for yourself every single year physically of where you want to be. And you start in baby steps. You start in such a way that it'd almost be harder to not do it than it would be to do it. Don't say that you're going to be in the gym five days a week when you haven't been going to the gym. Set yourself a day, say, I'm going to go there once a week. And it's going to be so easy, like who can do once a week that, you know, once you get that rhythm under your belt, you're like, you know what? I could do two days. Okay. And so you're setting something so that your body can grow because all of these areas are connected. And you can say, well, Jesus said, you know, uh, things that profit the body are of little gain, right? Because he did say that. Well, I want, I want anything that profits my body. It may be little gain, but I still want anything that profits my body. And so we have to take care of our body. We have to be good stewards of our body and we have to watch what we're putting in. I know this is coming right after you probably had like three cinnamon rolls yesterday. You had a bunch of cream soda and I get it. And I'm not like trying to beat you up, but what I am trying to tell you is that I think you need to have a vision for your body going into the new year. And I think that's wise and I think that's important. And so you start with small steps of like, I'm gonna cut this out and I'm gonna start doing this. Number two, emotionally. This is something that we don't talk about a lot of time, but the Bible literally tells us to seek a multitude of counselor. I'm not getting off into new age stuff, okay? We need, we, Jesus experienced and demonstrated and felt every single emotion that you feel. He got angry, he cried, he was betrayed, right? Sad, all of, he wept. All of these things happened to Jesus. And so Jesus understands what we're walking through emotionally. He made us emotional beings. Emotions can be extremely powerful when they're attached to truth. And when they're not attached to truth, when they're attached to a lie, they can be extremely dangerous and they can destroy relationships. They can destroy careers. They can destroy uh, the future that God has set for you. So, it's very important to set emotional goals. And I think one of those is just acknowledging that you are an emotional being, that you have emotions. And to be aware of like certain things that trigger um, those emotions. For many of you, I think I shared this with you, I went through something pretty traumatic in my teenage years when I was in the military and I lost a lot of loved ones and I saw things that no human being should ever have to see. And what happened to me, this is the Reader's Digest version, is that I shut down and years went by and boom, I'm 25, but I'm, I'm 19 emotionally. And I did not, I just, I shoved all of those emotions. I didn't process, I didn't walk through the grieving uh, season of losing my friends and what I had witnessed. And as a result, I didn't give it to God. And God cannot heal what you conceal. And I concealed and I hid. I hid it from myself. I hid it from God. But then, and I even hid it from my, my to-be wife until she looked me in the eye and said, I cannot marry you until you've dealt with these emotions. I feel like I know you about as well as everybody else knows you. And that's probably about two inches because you have walls around your heart, Matt. You don't go deep, you, you project a certain image. And the, and, the, and the problem was, she was absolutely right. And what a counselor does, if you've ever been to a counselor, okay, that's not a weird thing. A counselor just simply creates a space and an environment where you can begin to talk through what you are feeling and what you walk through. Because you haven't, you didn't deal with it, 
you need to walk through it. And, and I'll just share this. I remember the Holy Spirit gave me this vision one time of a soldier and he was fighting. It was like, kind of like the Spartan days and he's fighting and he was taking ground and he was moving forward. And I'm like, yeah, that's me, man. And he got shot with an arrow in the, in the ankle or in the calf and he kept on fighting. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like the war battle doesn't stop just because you got a little flesh wound, keep on moving forward. And that's the way that I'd live my life. But then he showed me that same soldier and he retreated to the back and he allowed the medic to take it out and he put a healing bomb on that calf and he allowed it to heal. And then he returned to the front line and he took twice as much ground. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, basically say what I just shared with you. I cannot heal what you conceal. If you allow me to heal this, you'll go twice as far. And I realized in that moment that I wasn't being strong by just pulling myself up by the bootstraps and continuing to move forward. I was actually being weak because I was running from my emotions, sadness, anger, all of those things. And as I began to process those things, um, there was a freedom in that. So maybe the goal that you need to set for yourself and the vision that you need to set for yourself going into the new year emotionally is just to be aware that you are an emotional being and to, to, to kind of like do a self-examination. Paul talks about, I examine myself to see what maybe certain areas where you get angry, certain areas where you get maybe deeply sad and that leads into anxiety so that you can identify those things. And then most importantly, invite the Holy Spirit into that so that he can expose these areas that maybe you've concealed. You've concealed them so long, you don't even know they're there. But God will walk you through the corridors of your heart to show you rooms that are housing a bunch of junk. In it. And I almost get this idea of like you open the door and all the junk falls out. You ever done that real quick cleaning session when somebody says, hey, I'm coming right there and there's diapers and there's food and there's everything. So you just shove everything. I did a lot as a bachelor and just shove everything into one closet and you're like, please do not open that door because everything's going to come falling out. I think we do that with our emotions if we're honest with ourselves sometime. But God wants you to be whole. He wants you to be healed. Jesus paid the ultimate price on that cross so that he could heal every single area of your life. And we need to have the courage to be able to bring those broken places and those broken things to him so that we can receive the healing in the midst of that. And some of that for you guys dates back to childhood. Some of that dates back to things that were spoken over you from a teacher, from a coach, from an uncle. And some of those are even deeper and darker. And I'm here to tell you that God is with you in the midst of you walking through those things. And the Bible does tell us to seek a multitude of counsel. So make sure that you're, you're, you're setting yourself a goal. Mentally, we should always be growing mentally, meaning that um, there's this horrible habit we have in America. Um, it's not everyone, but the minute we, we get out of school, whether that be high school or college, we, we discontinue our education. We stop learning new things. And when we stop learning new things, it's a very easy place for pride to begin to seep in. And so we have to be students um, our entire life. We should have that, that childlike and that student-like um, desire to learn well into our 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. We should never get to the point where I'm 30, I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm in the stride of my career, and there's nothing new that I have to learn. Now, you may not be a, a, a man or woman that enjoys reading books, but they have these things called audiobooks, and you can listen to them. And everything in Maine is really far uh, spaced apart. So you have a lot of time 
Instead of listening to 105.2S, the mountain of pure rock and roll, you could listen to um, a book that specifically deals with spiritual disciplines or specifically deals with finances or specifically deals with an area in your career. But the idea is your mind, like your muscles, are meant is was meant to be exercised. So just like if I if I am not walking, if I am not putting stress on my body to the point where it can grow, it'll it'll start moving in reverse. And I'll start getting weaker, which will make me more susceptible um, to you know hurting myself or even you know, diseases and sicknesses that can come in. Well, the mind's the same way. It wants to be challenged. It wants to be stimulated. It wants to learn new things. Now, you may not feel like going to the gym and you may not feel like um, going to the, uh, you know, going to the library or reading a new book, but it's one of those things, if you start out because you know it's the right thing for you to do, you'll begin to g develop um, a passion and an appetite towards it. Because here's the thing, bottom line, we hunger for what we feed on. If you hunger, if you feed on Netflix, if you watch like three hours of Netflix every single night, that's exactly what you're gonna wanna do tonight. And guess what? Tomorrow night. If you hunger for a Big Mac and French fries and a Diet Coke, when you're hungry, even when you're working hard, your, your stomach is going to want a Big Mac and French fries. It's not gonna want salmon and mixed field greens. It's not gonna want, it's gonna look at that and go, ugh, gross. When maybe that's the thing that you should be putting into your body instead of that. Now, I'm not here to tell you you should never have McDonald's, you should never have Dunkin' Donuts. I'm not here to tell you that because I would be a hypocrite, okay? I'm not saying you should never have those things, but they shouldn't be like the staple of what you feed on in your body. I think we can all agree on that. Like you shouldn't be eating those things 24 seven. And I'm not saying that you can't watch a movie, okay? I hope when my kids get older that we can watch all of the Lord of the Rings and like that would be just such so cool. Uh, one day it'll happen, you know, when they get a little older and they can understand what hobbits are and orcs are. But um, we're not there yet, okay? So it's okay to watch a movie, but it's not okay for me as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a friend, as a son, to just binge walk TV every single night. Like I'm not, I'm not serving myself. I'm not serving the sphere of influence that God has called me to. And so I need to set up different spiritual disciplines. Are you guys following with me? Following with me? Okay. Uh, I know this is heavy, but I really think that like these things are gonna help you going into the new year. I think we need to have a vision and a goal for all of these areas. Uh, and last and most importantly, spiritually. You can have a goal spiritually? Absolutely you can have a goal spiritually, and you should. And that's no more legalistic telling you that you need to be in the Word of God every single day than me telling you that you need to eat every single day. You know, none of you would say, if you say, man, can you believe Pastor Matt? He said that we should eat every single day. I cannot believe the audacity that Pastor Matt has telling me out of all people that I need to eat every single day so I have energy. None of you would say that. But the temptation, especially if we're not in the word every single day, when the pastor comes up here and says, and champions you to be in the word of God every single day is to say, man, that seems legalistic. Like, I don't know if I need to be, and it's not. It's not, it's how we connect with God. Remember, we, we studied this last week. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so if, do you wanna know God? Be in His Word. 
and the word somehow it becomes alive inside of you and it changes your appetite and it changes the way you see yourself and it changes the way that you see the world. When you see yourself as a son and daughter all of God, all of a sudden you get excited and you say, hey, I wanna know what this thing is capable of. This thing that God gave me, this brain, where every teacher told me you're just average and that's all you're ever going to be. No, I think there's more to it than that. Because God says that I have a renewed mind. And God says that I have the mind of Christ. And God says that, you know, that, that I can grow and that I have a destiny and a purpose. So I'm going to grow this thing. And you know what? I want to know what these are capable of. You know, I want to see what these things can do. It's been, you know, blow the dust off them a little bit. I haven't used them since high school, but I want to see what this body can do. And you know, emotionally, I'm tired of being run by my emotions, where if I get in a fight, I can't talk to anybody for a week. I lock myself in the room. I listen to morbid and sad music. I want to be in control of my emotions. I don't want it to be the other way around. Where if somebody says something to me, I internalize it and then I go into this dark place. No, I'm not going to go there. So I'm going to exercise myself physically. I'm going to exercise myself mentally. I'm going to exercise myself emotionally and I'm going to exercise myself spiritually so that I can grow into who Christ destined me to become. Now, so the, going way back, okay, because I, I may feel like I'm a little all over the place, but these, these are important things. Um, Jess and I, at the end of every single year, before we write out the goals and the things that we're believing for, the vision for our relationships, the vision for our marriage, the vision for our family, the vision for us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we reflect, we rewind, we remember all that God had done the previous year. And we write those things down and we invite the children as they've gotten older to remember those things. What did God do in and through you this year? What can you remember? And we help them along. Well, remember when you were praying for a friend? Remember when you didn't have any friends to hang out with and it was hard when you left Colorado and you were praying that God would send you a friend and you had, you, you've had a couple of sleepovers you know, they came to your birthday, like God brought that friend into your life. And they're like, yeah, he did. And so we remember those times that God was faithful to us. And what that does is it, 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 it's intentional. Okay, so we're rejoicing for those things as we remember, as we rewind the year, right? And we recount, I'm, I'm on the re-kick right now. We recount, rewind, we remember, we review, and we rejoice for all those things that God has done. We're building our faith up as we begin to set the vision and we begin to ask God for new things coming into the new year. We're like, wait a minute, I, last year I did pray and you answered my prayer on a lot of things. God, we were believing you for a new car. Like we didn't see how that was gonna happen. And then all of a sudden you brought in this check for this amount, or you brought in this opportunity to be able to work and we got an increase at work, whatever it is. And I just wanna give you thanks for that. And I wanna continue to believe you um, for more coming into the new year. And so we do, we do this where we reflect and give God thanks and praise for the previous year, all the things that he had done. We were sick We were and, and God, God brought healing. We needed and, you know, financial breakthrough, and God met that financial need, and we give him praise. And then we write down those things for the new year. 
You see, it's very easy to fall into the humdrum of getting into this place between Christmas and New Year's where you don't know what day it is. You don't know if it's lunch or dinner. Um, you're eating stuffing and turkey for breakfast and you're in this like weird plate. You don't know what time it is because some of you may be working, you may not be working, but everybody, can you relate to that? It's like that weird time between Christmas and New Year's. But I want to encourage you to be intentional with this time. I want to encourage you to carve out some time to be able to first just write down the things that you remember God doing for you so that when you find that time on the 30th or the 31st to reflect, to give God thanks for all of those things. And I want you to think and stir your, stir your spirit. Be like, God, what is possible in 2022? Like, where can I take ground for my body physically? Where can I take ground for my mind mentally? Maybe you're not a reader, but you say, I'm gonna read 10 books next year. Or, you know, maybe I'm gonna take a class. I've been kicking around, I'm gonna go back to school and I've never done it. This is the year where it stops. I'm gonna take some ground on that. And I'm gonna be honest with myself and my emotions. And I'm gonna invite my partner into it to give her permission to, to, sh to, to highlight when maybe I'm, I'm kind of slipping into a blind spot and I'm getting angry about something that I shouldn't get angry about. Like being to something 15 minutes early because that's the way that I was raised. And if I wasn't in the car and ready, then we were late. And if we were late, that's the biggest issue in the world. So I put it on my family. And if we're not there 15 minutes before the trailers for a movie, then we're late. But there's really nothing to watch. We're just sitting in the, you know, we're just sitting in the movie theater. Or maybe it's an airport. You got to get there three hours early instead of an hour. I'm that person. And that was, that was what was handed to me, generational curse. And I handed it down, you know, and, and Jess is like, oh no, we're not, we're not. And she's been very honest, that's a blind spot in me. So emotionally I'm growing in that area and I'm like, you know what, maybe I've attached way too much to this. Like it's really not that important, right? And so, and then, you know, to open yourself up spiritually, but there's one other thing that I want you to do as you're, as you're reflecting on the year, as you're writing those things down, as you're rejoicing and giving God thanks, as you're, as you're inviting the Holy Spirit to stir inside you what this new year could look like, how you could grow in all of these areas, um, I want you also to invite the Holy Spirit, as we are sharing, to prepare our hearts to illuminate things that don't need to be there. Now, I'm gonna talk about something, okay, that unfortunately is something here in Maine, and I think we're all adults so we can talk about it. I'm gonna talk about weed. You guys ready to talk about weed? But not in the sense that you think about, okay? All of us have weeds in our lives, all right? The Bible says in the parable of the, the sower that the sower sowed seed on good soil. The soil represents your heart. So I want you to hear this. The seed represents God's word, and the soil represents your heart. And the Bible says that the sower, he sowed a seed, he planted a seed in good soil, but the weeds grew up alongside it and choked it out. So what I'm telling you is this, that you can write down and you can excavate the vision that God has for your life and you could be excited and you could be passionate and you could be willing to work. All the conditions could be right, but the weeds in your life that you haven't dealt with choke it out. What do weeds do? Weeds compete for space in your life. Weeds, weeds grow. That's, then they grow. And they, and they take the water, the sink. Yep. They take the, they do. They take the nutrients 
that should be going towards the passion, the zeal, that should be going towards those new things that God has shown you, and they suck it so that they can grow, as my three-year-old, four-year-old son was sharing, and the weeds grow, and they choke out what God's trying to do. So we have to take an honest assessment of ourselves. And so for many of us, it's not what we're going to bring into 2022, it's what we're not gonna bring into 2022. And we have to be honest and look at those things and say, I'm not bringing this with me anymore. I'm cutting this. I'm letting go of this. The Bible says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Who, who, who does that? We do. We take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. Meaning if it doesn't line up with God's word, then we get rid of it. And, we don't, and when we find ourselves in that moment of recoiling and going back into that dark place, we invite the Holy Spirit and say, no, I'm not going back there. Now, I, sh I share all of these things with you because I believe um, that 2022 is gonna be a banner year. And we are starting off this year with a fast, a church-wide fast. It's going to take place on January 10th, so you're warned, and it goes until the 31st. That's 21 days. Many of you may not know what a fast is, like what the heck is a fast? Fasting has actually become pretty popular even in the scientific community. So if you believe in science, hey, you're in a good place right here because science actually substantiates a lot of things that I'm gonna share. Although I'm gonna be speaking to you primarily from a, from a spiritual place, but fasting is actually healthy um, for you. But that's not why we're necessarily doing it. But if you look, there are many different theories on fasting, but can I just say this? If you look at fasting in the Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word sum, which literally means to cover one's mouth. And so biblical fasting is indeed to abstain um, from food. However, some of the most meaningful fasts that Jess and I have had is when we fasted screens. We fasted screens and electronics. For many of you, it may be fasting sugar. Some of you may be fasting caffeine. And what the purpose of this is to show your flesh or your body that, you don't, that you're in control and you don't need this in order to be able to function. We all like get a little laugh and a kick out of the coffee mug or the t-shirt that says, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee, okay? And that may actually be true, but the reality is we shouldn't need caffeine in order to be able to function. We, we, we shouldn't need sugar in order to be able to function. And so if we've got an addiction to those things, this is an opportunity for us to abstain to those things, to teach ourselves that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from, from the mouth of God. And so this is an opportunity for us to crucify our flesh and also to dedicate that time that you would have been scrolling through social media hopefully not swiping white, right, okay? Or binge watching Netflix or whatever it is. And to take that time, because there's an amazing feature on this phone, it'll tell you how much time you spend on it. And it'll even break down the amount of time that you're spending maybe on social media or you're spending on Spotify or you're spending on Netflix. And so I encourage you to do that deep dive to, to see where you're spending a lot of that time. Take that time and maybe social media, maybe spend an hour a day and say, you know what? For 21 days, I'm not gonna look at social media. And believe it or not, the world will just continue. Or maybe it's uh, just watch, like binge watching, maybe you're a news head. 
I don't know if you know those people, they just gotta watch, they gotta know what's going on in the world every second of every day. And so they consume a lot of news. Problem is sometimes news can be a little biased, regardless if you're left, right, in the middle, it doesn't matter, it's all biased. Not all, but a lot of it is biased. And so there's an agenda that's trying to be rammed down your throat. And so as you watch that, right, um, it can begin to shape and even pervert to a point the way that you view the world. And so maybe that's, I'm gonna jump off there. And believe it or not, the world's gonna be okay when you re-engage on day 31 of January back into the news. But whatever it is for you, or maybe it is food, and maybe you say, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna eat breakfast, and I'm just gonna use that time that I typically eat breakfast to pray or to read the Bible. Or maybe you're like, I'm not gonna eat any food at all. Whatever it is, I believe that's between you and God. It's really not between me and you. Okay, that's a conversation that you need to have with God, but I do want to encourage you, whatever you do, make it sustainable. In other words, don't set yourself a lofty goal where you bail out in three, in three days because I don't think you're going to get the purpose of it. Do Find something that's consuming some of your time that feels like something that you need but you really don't and abstain from it for 21 days, using that time to press into the Lord for your family, for yourself, for the church, for our nation, for the world. We're gonna have specific and strategic prayer points for you to be praying for, but I believe that God's gonna do a deeper work inside of you, and there are some things maybe financially I wanna be at a certain level. We've talked about being debt-free forever, and we this is the year it's going to happen. Holy Spirit, show me how this is possible. Or what it, maybe it is the, the working out thing, like this is gonna be the year that I'm gonna do this, but Lord, I need your help. Whatever it is, really purpose in your heart to go after. I've told Jess that I feel like a, just a weightiness to this fast. For me personally, I'm not putting it on you, a weightiness that I really need to go after God in a way that I've never went after God. Well, let me say this. A fast, the purpose isn't to align God with you. It's to align you with God. And a fast isn't a hunger strike saying, I'm not gonna eat, I'm not gonna do anything, God, until you answer. God doesn't move like that. What a fast is doing is ultimately saying that I don't need these things, that God, you are enough and I'm going to press into you. I'm not gonna be run by my flesh. You know, I have to eat sugar all the time or I have to do this. I'm going to be, you know, led by, led by this. And, and you'll find fasting all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament. It is a biblical practice. And I believe, and I'll, I'll kind of summarize it with, I'll summarize it with this. Hold on, where are we at? I lost my phone. Um, Okay, I'll summarize it with this because I know I went a little long, but I think this is good. 2022 can be the best year of your life if it is the best year of your life spiritually. I really believe that. I believe it will be the best year of your life it is, if it is the best year of your life spiritually. Now, that doesn't mean it'll be the easiest year of your life or the most comfortable year of your life. In fact, some things may come out and you look back and like, hey, how could that be the best year of my life? That year was like a roller coaster. It hurt. All this, I had all these disagreements with people, but maybe the best year of your life is getting some of those people that are toxic out of your life. And maybe the best year of your life is having those difficult conversations that you've been putting off for 14 years and setting boundaries inside of your family. And maybe the best year of your life is foregoing some of the things that, are, that you're passionate about, but are the, sucking the life out of you. 
And so I believe that if you, if you take more steps towards God this year, that it will turn out to be an awakening season for you and you'll see more things. And I just wanted to read this in regards to fasting. I almost, and I, I really am gonna close with this. I wrote this down, so I'm just gonna read it the way that I wrote it. We live in quite possibly the most indulgent society that has ever existed. In Luke 21, 34, this is out of the message, so it sounds a little bit different. It says this, Jesus warns us of the dangers that come with abundance. Be on guard. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by parties, drinking, and shopping. <laughs> that, just, that was just like a dagger to somebody's heart right there. Otherwise, that day is going to take you by complete surprise, sprung on you suddenly like a trap, for it's going to come to everyone, everywhere at once. So whatever you do, don't sleep at the switch. Pray constantly that you will have the strength and wits to make it through everything that's coming and end up on your feet before the Son of Man. This warning was given to believers. He was highlighting the dangers of allowing your natural appetites to supersede your spiritual ones. Furthermore, Paul warns us of this danger in Philippians 3.19. This is a message again that states, all they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross, but easy street is a dead end street. Those who live there, those who live there make their bellies their God. Their belches are their praise. All they can think about is their appetites. And you think about it, we shop for things we don't need and we eat when we're not hungry. We drink instead of think and we look for shortcuts to avoid responsibility. Fasting cuts through it all. It's quite possibly the deepest dive into confronting our sinful desires through self-discipline. This discipline trains us to elevate our spiritual needs above our natural ones and teaches us that what we do have, that we do have power over our flesh. It heightens our senses by spending less attention on the temporal and focusing on the eternal, making us more alert. We must acknowledge that we are bombarded with an ideology of self-indulgence in America. We are taught it from birth. We must learn to deny ourselves and embrace the authority that Christ paid the price to give us to say no to sin and yes to godliness. Again, food is a legitimate appetite, but when we embrace the discipline of fasting, we truly learn what it means that man lives by not bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want this to be the greatest year of your spiritual growth. I want this to be the greatest year of your mental growth. I want this to be the greatest year of your emotional growth. And I want this to be the greatest year of your physical growth. But those things will not happen unless there is intentionality behind it. And so that's why as a church, as a body, we will fast together so that we can grow in all of these areas, so that we can encourage one another along the way, so that we'd have to not lean on our own understanding or on our own strength, but we are, we, we're forcing ourselves to be dependent on God's grace. And the most beautiful thing about God's grace is that it takes us beyond what we're capable of in the natural. It's another gear that none of you knew that you had, but you do. And God will allow as you move forward in surrender in a heart posture of humility and faith to access that grace to accomplish things that, that weren't in the cards for you. 
that teachers said were never gonna be possible, that parents said they were never gonna be possible, that friends said were never gonna be possible, will be possible through God because where there is no way, God makes a way. It's what he does. It's in his nature and it's who he is. So I'm gonna ask all of you to stand and I wanna pray over you. Now, as a symbol of growth, as a symbol of the yearning inside of your heart and spirit, if you say, you know what, Matt, I want to grow in one of those areas. I want to grow in all of those areas. And I'm just saying by faith that I'm going to be intentional um, to, 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 to move towards those areas. I want you to raise your hand and I want to pray over you. If you want to grow in those areas, my hand's up because I want to grow in every single one of those areas. I want to be able to look back on January 2022, the 31st with my wife and say, man, I got a little bit of abs. <laughs> I got, you know, I think I'm a little smarter than I, than I entered. I believe I'm a little more humble. I believe, I'm a, believe I'm a little more emotionally aware. So let's believe that for this entire congregation. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the humility in this room. I thank you for the tenderness to, to, and the desire to grow. Lord, I pray as we get together to fast as a body, I'm just reminded where there is unity, you command your blessing. I thank you that you are taking some of us to uncharted territories. And that, Lord, I believe you are giving us a pioneer spirit to believe for something that maybe we haven't seen or tasted, but is made available to us. And so God, I'm asking for new wells to be dug, for a deepness inside of each and every single one of us. Let us read the word in a way we've never read or experienced before. Lord, let us have the courage to go into prayer where it feels clumsy at first, it feels awkward, but we say, I don't care. I've committed 21 days to carving out this time to pray. And I'm faithfully, I'm going to come here every single day to share what's inside of my heart, but to position myself to hear from you, Lord. And God, I pray that this would be a year that every single one of us take ground mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Lord, I pray that you would expose those areas that need to come up, those weeds that need to be choked out, that we would prepare our hearts to receive the giftings, the callings, the destiny, the words of knowledge that you have for us coming into 2022. And God, ultimately, we do this not so we can check off some spiritual list but we do this ultimately so that we can radiate and shine your faithfulness and your love and your glory demonstrated through our good deeds, pointing people to you. Lord, I thank you that 2022 can be the greatest year of our lives if it is the greatest year of our lives spiritually. And I thank you that you promise in James 4.8 that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. God, we give you all the glory because you are so worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. We can go ahead and cheer for God.
Next Sunday, it's back to normal. We love you guys. Enjoy this crazy week. Thank you so much for listening to Keep the Main Thing the Main Thing, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.